Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast live here on NGSCSports.com and also on video on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Huddle Up Podcast. Trying something new. Please let us know if uh, everything is coming through okay on the audio end. Uh, I will try to see the camera. It is uh, up in the corner of the room and uh, I can't totally make out the words uh, that are on the screen, but I'll try and check in with uh, people on Facebook if you want to post questions or anything to the show. Uh, you can do so there. It is Wednesday, February the 8th, 2017. Again, we are here on NGSCSports.com, where we never stop. Visit the homepage for all of the shows, all of the written content, all the bonus coverage, and much, much more. Also, visit Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn Radio app. Search NGSC for all of the shows on the NGSC Sports Radio Network. We can also podcast our show by searching Huddle Up with Jim and Dave. On, uh, on iTunes and Android. If you subscribe to us on iTunes, please make sure that you rate and review us. We also stream daily at leabsports.com. That is L-E-E-I-B sports.com. Again, you, you can follow us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash huddle up podcast. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at huddle up podcast. I am at big Jim sports and Dave who we're bringing into the show now is on Twitter at D Gerhardt. Zero two four, Dave. Good evening, my friend. How are you? Well, Jim, uh, we're doing quite well. Uh, it is the first day of the third trimester for my first child, so well, that's, uh, definitely have to be doing pretty good tonight. That's a good thing, man. That's pretty cool. I'm I'm happy to hear that. I'm happy that everything is going well there. Yeah, so far so good. I mean, uh, what, what would it be from Dave to put another child on this earth to, or a another replica of me on this earth to torment the heck out of you. Yeah, that, uh, that is certainly something that, uh, I'm sure will happen. So, uh, obviously, uh, you know, congratulations and best wishes as, uh, you go through, uh, the next couple months and, and with the kid being born, uh, and all of that. So that's an exciting thing, Dave. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we have the, the sad task of putting the, uh, the final stamp on the football season, 2017 football season, 
uh, and we will do that tonight. Obviously, the uh, Super Bowl this past Sunday. We'll talk about that here, but I think the the important matter to get out of the way is the the future of the show. We obviously started this show at the the beginning of the football season, and uh, you know we we want to continue the show. But uh, we, we, we obviously are, are going to be morphing a little bit because we, we went very uh, kind of fast paced, hard hitting with the uh, with the with the pickums and all of that. So so we're going to kind of morph the show. Um, I, I think the, the general idea is, is definitely three shows a month. Um, obviously, if there's bigger events, we're, we're going to focus in on those. But I think we're just going to kind of uh pick and choose a little bit kind of the the, the hot stories of the week some of the bigger games uh g- give you a uh, a look in on those uh, not go too deep too real too heavy uh because i i, I think we kind of want this place to be something that is you know kind of a, a an escape from from some of the heaviness in the world today right yeah definitely i mean i think uh kind of what both of us are thinking is uh obviously we started this up as football but uh we enjoy harassing each other so much uh, once a week on, on the air that uh, we're going to continue it with kind of whatever whatever we feel like talking about sports-wise. I mean, sometimes it'll be the current events going on. Sometimes it'll be the huge upcoming events, uh, horse racing, golf tournaments, March Madness, et cetera. Um, sometimes it might just be having a conversation on one of these off things that we've, we've touched on throughout the year of the football season and just kind of uh, actually focusing on it for a couple hours or an hour or whatever we feel like uh, is warranted. But uh, – Hopefully, going to get some interaction, uh, continued interaction with some of our uh, our folks that have been listening, and uh, keep this thing going and keep building on it. Uh, again, with the the Twitter page that's up and new right now, and uh, just uh, keep growing and doing what we love and talking sports. Yeah, that's obviously something we we want to do going forward, and and uh, what we want to do tonight is talk sports with you. So, uh, the number to do that uh, is four zero one three four seven zero six one three. Use pin. Two nine three one two. Again, the number four zero one three four seven zero six one three. Use pin two nine three one two. We want to uh, you know, want to hear from you. We want to interact with you. I'm um, being told that the audio sounds a, a little rough. Uh, I did test it a little bit earlier. This on the uh, on the Facebook Live. Uh, so uh, you know, I'm going to keep letting it roll, and we're I'm going to try to. Uh, to kind of to play around with it a little bit because this is just kind of the, the first run of it. So uh, bear with us tonight. We'll try and do better uh, the next time around. So, Dave, uh, obviously um, the on the on Sunday we had the uh, we had the Super Bowl. And before we kind of go into the ins and outs of it, uh, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that this one is going to be one that, that sticks with us for a while uh, because of the quality of the game, the way the game finished. Well, maybe, and, and, and we'll discuss maybe the quality of the game, but at least, you know, the second half, the way the game finished uh, definitely left us with uh, with a pretty exciting, um, you know, pretty exciting memory there. Dave, are you on mute again? I am not on mute. I don't know what just happened. I tried to share your Facebook post, and I heard your voice in like a twenty-second delay. So I'm done with that. Yeah, that, that, that's weird. Let's uh, let's try and stay focused on the task task at hand. I was trying to promote the show, but uh, I think your mugshot on my phone just threw things off. So uh, <laughs> enough with that. Yeah, definitely though a uh, a Super Bowl that uh, to me it, it was a um, I want to call it. A, 
I'm kind of making a bold statement here, but I think it's one you'll agree with. This was almost like a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl for us. I mean, it was a Super Bowl that was absolutely terrible for the first um, 40, 45 minutes even maybe. And then the fourth quarter is probably one of the best quarters of football, um, most dramatic, that we're going to see in our lives. So, I mean, it was kind of uh, kind of interesting uh, without a doubt that I don't know how you don't uh, – you don't give uh, Brady and Belichick major props for it. So, um, yeah, definitely a uh, unbelievable Super Bowl, though. Yeah, no, absolutely. A game that, you know, early on uh, seemed like it was just going to go kind of the uh, the way that the majority uh, of the postseason went, where it was just crappy games, uh, one-sided games. One team didn't look like they even belonged there. And, and then as it turned out, uh, you know, the, the, the fourth quarter and, and overtime gave us uh, one of the most memorable, one of the most exciting uh, games that we have we have ever seen. So, um, you know, obviously it's a kind of a, a tale of, of two halves. No, you know, obviously, um, you know, it just it just really when, it, when we went into halftime, the, there was part of me that was, you know, New England's dead. New England's done. It's over. Um and then there was a, a an extremely extremely small part of me that was like, well, they're going to make adjustments, <clears throat> you know, they're, they're going to they're going to do something. They're they're not going to just roll over. That's not in New England's nature. And obviously, we saw they didn't. The, the, the bigger question to me, and we'll look at stats and we'll look at uh, kind of the the legacy and what what happens, what comes out of this. Um. But why the, the first question I have here is why in the world did Atlanta stop running the ball? Yeah, Jim, uh, I, I think it's very interesting. I mean, kind of before I touch that running the ball thing, um, I, I think it's the, the, the thing uh, I said when we were watching it is if New England defense can come out and get a stop with Atlanta getting the ball to start the second half uh, during this game. Well, they did that, and then they came out in the offense late in A. So I was shocked that they uh, they were able to turn around after that, but uh, they, had, they had a huge opportunity to start the half there, and, again, they, they, squ- they even squandered that. Um, so take that for what that's worth, but uh, one heck of a comeback. Um, but I saw I saw stats somewhere kind of playing off of what you did, but uh, after they were up 28-3, to they ran the ball four total times. Um, so, yeah, and the, the thing that's interesting about it is the run was working for them. Like, it's not like they weren't able to run the ball. The run was working, and they, uh, they definitely had some, uh, some bite in the run. So it's kind of interesting that they went away from it. Um, I, I honestly don't have too big of an issue going away from it. The issue that I have is that they try to go down the field with the ball. I mean, you look at all that talent. Uh, I, I'm even okay if they throw screen passes to Julio, to, uh, to Gabriel, to uh, either of their talented backs there. But to just – Try and throw the ball down the field when you don't have to. It's just idiotic. You know, it, it was a it was a situation of, and it, what I think what baffled me, like you said, it's they were they were running the ball so well in the first half. It looked like New England couldn't, uh, you know, really couldn't couldn't do anything to stop Atlanta from running the ball. And when you're in a situation where you 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 go up twenty five. And you, you you abandon a huge part of the game that got you there, and the part of the game that's going to take 
a lot of the clock away from New England. The thing that they need most in that second half was time. Time to do what they needed to do. Time, you know, to to move the ball on offense and score and all of that. You can take that away by running the ball more and and they kind of abandoned it. That that blew me away. That really did it. It made made no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, you know, why they abandoned it, but Dave really uh, you know, the, the the story was two completely different halves. And I know obviously football is a game of two halves, but uh you know, you, you look at it, you went into the went into halftime at twenty eight to three. You know, the, and, and and then New England took over. Or excuse me, went into half at twenty one to three, came out uh Atlanta scored one time in the third, and then and then New England took over and and First thing I'll say is uh, I was happy as hell that uh, Guskowski hit that upright because that gave me my first win in a block uh, for the first time in like 10 years. So uh, thank you, Stephen Guskowski, for hitting that upright. Uh, you helped make the fourth quarter more exciting, and you helped me uh, in, in, my, in my work block pool. So uh, double kudos there. Uh, and then, of course, the fourth quarter, he had a 33-yard field goal by Stephen Guskowski. Dan, Danny Amendola with a six-yard touchdown pass. The two-point conversion from James White. And then you had two James White touchdowns. Uh, one in the fourth quarter with 57 seconds left. A two-point conversion uh, to tie the game. And then, of course, the James White two-yard touchdown run uh, in the overtime period to give New England the 34 to 28 victory uh in Super Bowl 51. Dave, was James White down on that run? Uh I don't think he was. I didn't I, I think he was in personally. Um but I don't really care to be honest because there's no way you're stopping New England two more times from the the uh half inch line it would have been. I mean you're gonna have two Brady quarterback sneaks and uh, you know he's scoring with as much of a motivation he has right now. There's no way they're kicking that field goal. Um, but, Jim, the, the, one, the, the couple things I want to touch on, um, and I don't know who to credit on this. Uh, it might be Bill Belichick, but he was absolutely genius in his game plan. He clearly sacrificed the early part of the game in order to wear down Atlanta's defense. Um, I don't know what the exact number of plays is offhand, uh, but they, they were on the field upwards of 90 plays for the game, which is incredible for a defense to try and last out uh, out in the the the, the uh, compete and all that. So that's a a great game plan from Belichick and company in order to wear them down. It uh, it clearly worked. I mean, it looked like uh, my my thought was before the coin toss in overtime, this New England gets the ball, they're going to walk it down the field and score a winning touchdown. Uh, I mean, it was pretty pretty black and white to me that. Uh, for Atlanta to have any chance, they have to uh, come out and get this coin toss, and they didn't. Um, so that's, that's interesting to me. Uh, it was not a strategy we kind of talked about last week, but it's not a strategy I thought they would come up with. But uh, well done for them in order to uh, to get through that. So, uh, again, anytime that they got uh, – they, they seem to just take their time moving the ball down the field. And, I mean, Brady's numbers in the Super Bowl were astronomical. Uh, granted – most of them came in the, the end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, but uh, almost 400, 470, 480 yards passing in the Super Bowl, um, unbelievable. 
So um, the, the one thing that sticks out in the Super Bowl to me, Jim, and I'll throw this over to you, and I know it's something you and I have talked about a lot uh, throughout the years, but how, how are all these head coaches in prime position um, that bad at clock management? I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to toot my own horn, but I don't know if I'm just that much smarter with it than majority of the coaches or how are you, how do you get to be a, a coach at a primetime program, NFL and some of these primetime college programs, you have absolutely no clue on clock management and what makes sense to do. I mean, I just don't understand. It, it seems so simple and clear watching it that, uh, you're doing some of the, I mean, even if they, even if Atlanta runs the ball three times and he misses the field goal, I'm a Falcons fan. I can sit there and live with that. I'm granted I'm going to be pissed off, but I can sit there and live with that because we did exactly what we were supposed to there. We forced, I mean, we ran the clock. We we're going to force Brady to go down the field in what? 40, 40 seconds. I think it was. And even if we missed the field goal, if he does that, well, kudos to him, but instead we gave him three minutes. I think it was. So uh, I, I just don't understand how these prime programs don't hire someone that knows clock management. That's uh, my biggest grief from the game. Yeah, no, I mean that—that's the most stunning thing is, uh, you know, the the yeah. the sack, which uh, you know turned into you know turned into the turnover uh, for Matt Ryan. Uh, you know, why? What? First off just go down but but again like you said where where's the clock management why are you dropping back and passing so many times in that second half i'm watching this this atlanta team going how how and why who is calling the plays who is who is deciding to go to the pass here because again you 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 dominated on the ground you know in in the first half you you really did and, and 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 you're you're looking at a team that completely abandoned what got him there, and and again you're giving you're giving New England time. How many times in the you know in the Brady Manning games did we see Tom Brady have time and make things happen and win for New England? How many times have we seen Tom Brady and the Patriots over the years because they were given enough time to do something? to do what they need to do, be it score a touchdown or get a field goal. How many times have we seen New England do what they do? And I'm watching this going, this Falcons team is ridiculous. This team is just absolutely screwing itself. And and I I, I, I couldn't believe it, Dave. Yeah, that, that's a huge takeaway for me. Um. To, back to my original question, I, I think James White was in. Um, I know a lot of people were, uh, you know, were questioning it. We're showing the angle from the from the short side of the field, the the TV angle, if you will, uh, and it looked like he may have been down before the ball crossed. Then they showed the opposite angle, which to, you know to me showed that it was clear cut that he was in before the knee was down. Uh, I had I was in an argument with a guy who um was trying to tell me that a touchdown is is a touchdown when the ball goes completely into the end zone the complete whole football goes completely over the entire goal line and i said if you don't know the rules you probably shouldn't get into an argument with somebody 
Um, that, that, that's kind of, uh, that, that, that's kind of a, a little tip I have. So tonight, brother. What? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so, so yeah, I think James White was in, um, and, and I agree with you, Dave, as well, that even if he doesn't get in on that one, um, New England is not going to kick a field goal in that spot. They're going for it. And, and based on the two, two point conversions that they, uh, that they got, I'm pretty safe in thinking that the that they come out with the 34-28 win, either way. Uh, so New well, England. I don't think, Jim. I don't even think it's a two point conversion. I mean, look at where he would have been down. So you have the ball at what the most a three inch line, right? I mean, I'm like just saying it, his career sneaking it, right? I mean, I'm just saying we 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 saw you know the you know the new numerous two point conversions. The fact that Atlanta's defense was completely gassed, and yeah, like you said. Um, you know the 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 Patriots and and Tom Brady over the years, uh, that 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 goal line sneak works pretty much every single time. So, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty safe to say that New England would have came out with the win, uh, either way. Once they, uh, you know, once once they got down to that part of the field, Dave. Before we go any further uh, with the uh, with the Super Bowl discussion here, um, I just want to want to give us the the final look here on the Pickums. Uh, because uh, because I put it in the in the description for the show, so I I, I don't want to. I'm sure uh, that's what everyone tuned in to hear. They absolutely did. So let, let's go back. I, last week I uh, or two weeks ago, whatever. I forgot to recap us on Championship Weekend. So I went two and zero Conference Championship Weekend. You went zero and two. So that put me at one sixty two and one hundred four. You at one forty nine and one seventeen. Obviously, you picked the Patriots last week. I picked the the Falcons, so that put me at a final tally for the season, 162 and 105, a 61% correct. Dave, you finished 150 and 117. You were at 56% correct. So uh, you walked away with a much much more sizable uh, victory in college football, but I'm uh, able to get the last laugh on the football season as I walk away with the win in the NFL. Jim, Jim, I, I got to jump in here a little bit. It, it, since it's the last episode, um, I think we need to recap the whole football standing. So I'll, I'll, I'll ask the questions you can answer, okay? Okay. Who, who, since you went over, I'll give you the first one. Who won the NFL pick'em for the year? Uh, that would be me. Who won the college pick'em? That would be you. Who won the college postseason pick'em? Uh, that certainly wasn't me. That was uh, That was you, right? It was, it was, of course. Okay. Who won the uh, the postseason challenge thing that you set up for the page too? Uh, that that would be you. You see a pattern developing here. Uh no, no, I don't. I'm not good at math, though. Okay, okay, good. Because <laughs> to me, it sounds like I'm pretty correct in football, and you got lucky on one of them. That's what I, I, I just see a pattern. I don't know if I'm, I'm out in left field or not, but. Um, I mean, you can look how pretty embarrassing on your own show to go 0 and 4. So I had to let you have one. Well, this is our show. So, I mean, uh, I, you know, I look at that, uh, obviously between you and me, we, we split the college and NFL, um, you know, and in the, in the uh, college football pick them and then the NFL playoff fantasy challenge, one of us, uh, came out on top. So the bottom line is for the listener. Who is that one of us, by the way? We we already went over that. So for the listener, um, I think it's important to to note that you guys have to do better. Um, because, hell, 
we're we as this show uh, are are kicking your ass. Well, I can I can agree with that. So I'll, I'll let you off the hook on that. I had to get <laughs> one more ribbing in since I had such a great college season. So um, well, of, I, I had to make sure that that it was crystal clear to anyone who's listening. Well, of course. All right. So uh, let, let's look now, kind of in the in the aftermath here uh, of the Super Bowl. There's a lot of people saying it was the best Super Bowl ever. I I was saying it on Sunday. Uh, definitely, I think the the probably the best ending. Um, you know, I, I've only watched uh, so many Super Bowls in my life and, and I can't remember all of them. I can remember some that were more boring than others, some that were more exciting than others. Uh, but Dave, where, where do you think that this Super Bowl is going to stand up with, with the rest of them? Do you think it's going to be looked at as the best or the most exciting ever or the best Jim, finish? I think that all depends on how you, uh, how you rate games and anything along those lines. I mean, ending of a game, um, I think... Again, uh, only having watched the past, I don't know, 20, 25 Super Bowls roughly, the only one that comes to mind is the, uh, I forget who it was, I think it was Tennessee and the Rams potentially, with the where the, the guy was down at the one-yard line. I can't think of his name at the moment, but uh, on the last play of the game. Um, I, I think that's the only ending that rivals this, but greatest Super Bowl of all time, um, I say this as nicely as possible, hell no. I mean, this game sucked. For three quarters, I mean, how many how many non diehard football fans thought that uh, this was even a good game is beyond me because I'd be willing to bet that most of you uh, most of you didn't hold on and uh, watch the entire game. So, um, ending of the game was phenomenal. Don't get me wrong on that, but the first three quarters was uh, much like the rest of Roger Ball in the playoffs. Pretty darn pitiful. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree that it, it, it just. The game itself was once he got to the fourth quarter, obviously it picked up, and 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 the way it finished was spectacular. And and in the uh, in the excitement of that moment, I, I think a lot of people uh, rated it maybe higher initially than it really was. I I will concede that that it definitely was not the best Super Bowl ever. I I I think it will be looked at um in in, in a pretty favorable way as, as to the way it finished. Obviously, the first. Super Bowl game uh, that went to overtime, so it is going to have a historical mark on it, and and the the, the comeback, the largest comeback of all time. So there there is some historical, um, you know, the the things that that occurred, and and that we're going to be able to look back on this one. But yeah, I don't think um, it is the uh, it is the greatest Super Bowl ever by any means. Now, yeah, uh, definitely in agreement with that. Yeah, a lot of records set. I'm not going to go over all of them. Um, New England uh, set the one for the most Super Bowl appearances as a team at nine. Brady seven as a player. Belichick seven as a player. Um, most Super Bowls won as a quarterback. Tom Brady and I know a lot of people quick to point that out this week. And I think uh, maybe there's been there's been some confusion. And I, I I can't pick out any specific broadcast or mention of people saying that it was the first person to five. I know there was a lot of saying the first quarterback to five because, of course, Charles Haley uh, won five. Uh, was it two with the 49ers and three with the Cowboys? So he was the first player ever to win five. This Brady is the first quarterback, first to ever do it with the same team. So, um, you know, there, there, there was a little bit of confusion there. Most Super Bowls won as a head coach, Bill Belichick with five. Brady, most Super Bowl MVPs with four. Uh, most pass attempts in a game, 
62. That's a hell of a lot of passing plays, and that tells you just how bad and just how far out of the game the uh, the, the Patriots were. So uh, obviously, you, you know, if you if you do a little um, you know do a little research, you can uh, you can find all the stats and all the records that were broken. I'm not going to go over all of them here, but definitely a, a, a historic Super Bowl. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a lot of uh, first that definitely happened. I mean, overtime and um, comebacks and all that other stuff. So, I mean, I think you have to remember the Super Bowl for the fourth quarter. But uh, to me, it's going to be the fourth quarter, but it's going to be the rest of this game was just pitiful and just absolutely bad. So, uh, I don't have anything else on the Super Bowl, Jim. If you do, uh, go for it. If not, uh, feel free to move on in my eyes. All right, 401-347-0613 and use PIN Two nine three one two. That is the number to call in. Four zero one three four seven zero six one three. Use pin two nine three one two. We had some uh, some feedback on the on the Facebook live broadcast. I did shut it down because uh, it seemed we were having some audio problems and some other things. So we'll reevaluate that. We thank you for the feedback. We will uh, reevaluate it. Try again uh, in the coming weeks. So thank you again. Um, real quick, Dave. Does this solidify? And then we'll kind of. Uh, start to move uh, move away from this. Does this solidify uh, Brady and, and Belichick as the best ever at uh, quarterback and as head coach? Um, very very good question. I think this is one that you can argue. Uh, does it solidify him as best ever? Uh, the obvious answer to me is no. Um, but does it solidify them as the greatest in the era? I think the answer to that is an astounding yes. Um, greatest ever is, is one of the, the tough, toughest questions to answer in my eyes. Cause you, I mean, you, you have to look at, uh, like throw Marino in the quarterback thing. He, he didn't have, I mean, I know Brady hasn't had much around him, but, uh, Brady's had an awful lot, an awful better defense coach, um, and lines with him than what, uh, what uh, Marino had. So, I mean, I think it's, it's tough because how do you judge someone like Marino versus Brady? Um, the, the game has changed so much since then. I mean, what, what do you do if you have, uh, you have Joe Montana playing with, uh, I mean, Joe Montana, Steve Young, uh, Aikman, even Marino, Bradshaw, and they're playing with the rules nowadays that the quarterback gets hit and it's a flag. I mean, that changes the game. They're, they're healthier a lot longer too. Um, so I, I don't know if I would call either of them the greatest ever, um, but I'd be comfortable saying they're in the top 10 ever. Uh, I, I think you have a better chance of calling uh, Belichick the greatest ever than you do Brady personally, um, just because it's so hard to judge court, judge position players. But uh, I, I think Belichick's up definitely up there, and uh, Brady is as well. So um, I'll throw it back over to you, Jim. But why don't we, uh, after this, why don't we hit the uh, – the off-season football stuff, and then we'll uh, take a break, and uh, we'll be done with football for the years. We both cry away. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I'm a person that that generally does not like to do the best ever stuff. That, that somebody is the best ever at that a position or anything like that. Um, I, I think that that you're you're definitely you're definitely able to say Belichick is the best coach ever. Um, and there's a there's a huge part of me that even though I typically don't like to do it wants to say Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time when you're when you you when you when you su- surpass Joe Montana who um you know many people uh, have have crowned that when you surpass him and I get that Brady lost to 
uh, but he's also been to seven. So, uh, and Joe was only in four. Uh, but I, I, I will agree with you. And the reason why I never like to do the best ever stuff is just because it, it is, it is so hard from era to era, um, you know, style to style, things like that to, to be able to confidently say that somebody is the best ever is Tom Brady, the best, um, you know, in his era, in his, you know, his career length, 110%. Is he the best that I've ever seen play? I think so. So that that's where I'll kind of leave that one. Um, and one, one final thing, Dave, and then, uh, you know, I'll kind of leave it to you to, um, if you have any, uh, any, any topics. And I, I do want to just have fun because they did put out the, uh, the, the odds for next year's Super Bowl, but um, are the overtime, because I know a lot of people were complaining, and I think, I honest to God saw it more from people that don't watch the NFL uh, or football in general that often throughout the year, uh, complaining about the overtime rule and that Atlanta didn't get the ball, didn't have a chance to score. Um, to me, my argument is is plainly this. Atlanta had their chance for 60 minutes. They were up by 25 points in the third quarter. How many more chances uh, do you want to give them? Uh, The rule is there. The rule is the same for both teams. If Atlanta wins that coin toss and they go down and score and they score a touchdown, New England doesn't have the ball. And I'm probably, I'm just venturing a guess here, we don't see nearly as many complaints from people about this being unfair. I think it is more, Dave, my opinion, more to do with the fact that New England won as opposed to the fact that the rule is, quote, unfair. Yeah, Jim, I agree with that. I mean, I, my, my, uh, I, I got into it with a couple coworkers on this, and uh, my, my question to them was, okay, if the rule's so unfair, what would you do? And it was crickets. I mean, the obvious solution is you make it college, but you give these NFL teams the ball at the 25, uh, it might have been 110 to 108, and the only reason <laughs> that they won is because of the two-point conversion. Right. Like, I, I don't know that it is fair to an extent. Um, I, I hate seeing a game I, – I, I agree with people that I hate seeing a game decided on a coin flip, but how else do you do it in all re- reality, and how else do you do it that it's fair? I mean, what do you do? You, you say, okay, each team gets one possession, and then after that it's sudden death? Right. Well, you have the same thing. New England won the coin toss, so they get to be sudden death first. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, you, you, I look at it and I say, okay, it's the Super Bowl. A, I agree with your point. You were up 25 points. You're up 28 to 3, and you couldn't finish. Um, why is this game even in overtime, number one? You, you have a 25-point lead. Uh, your Super Bowl, you're in the defense. You have such a good defense. How did they blow this lead? Um, but B, you, you have the number two or number three defense, top five defense in football that's pretty much consensus for the year. Um, you have an opportunity to get the, get the ball back for your quarterback that has the number one offense in the league, and you couldn't rise up and do it? Look at that pun, Jim. <laughs> So, I mean, I give it – I, I agree that it, there, there's got to be a better way somehow. But uh, I, I hate – one of my, my peeves is I hate just blanket complaints. Oh, I hate this overtime. Well, tell me something that's better, and then, then we can talk. 
Right. I mean, it's like in the business world. I hate this. I hate this process. Well, make it better and tell me how to make it better. And then we'll talk, you know, that type of thing. Give me a solution with it and we can listen. So, um, with that being said, if you don't have anything else there, um, with the football odds coming out, uh, a couple things I want to touch on, obviously. Um, football odds coming out, uh, my point of view is you got to look at teams who, who weren't – I'm a value guy that I like to get some value in things. Um, you got to look at a couple of teams that weren't so good this year, um, A, because it's going to give them a softer st- schedule for the following year. Uh, number one team that fits that build that I think is going to have a rebound year is obviously my Carolina Panthers. I mean, they, uh, they have the – they have the, the AFC East in the offseason or the, in the next season, and they have the NFC North along with getting Philadelphia and San Francisco. Um, hello. That's a, that's a pretty good draw there. Uh, I think they're sitting about 25 to 1 right now, so that's a, uh, that's a, that's a pretty good draw for them. Uh, they had a lot of injury bugs, and they had the, the after effects from this, the Super Bowl winning year where everything went against them. So, um, my, my eyes are, too, that they, they aren't as good as the team that made the Super Bowl, but they aren't as bad as the team this year. So um, they, they get a, uh, a running back in the draft. I think they'll be uh, very interesting to watch next year. Um, other team that really caught my eye was the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans are sitting at 45-1, uh, to 1, and they're in an extremely weak division. So that helps them, uh, that helps them get some divisional padding, hopefully. Um, there's not a lot, a whole, whole lot of teams in that division that could challenge them. And I really like what Mariota's doing down there in the defense. So, um, two teams that caught my eye, um, Jim, I'll throw it back over to you with a couple teams that caught your eye real quick. Again, uh, I'm not going to be betting New England. I'm not going to be racing to bet New England at four and a half to one or something along those lines, nine to two. Um, but those are a couple teams that caught my eye. Uh, anything you're looking into for the, uh, the NFL draft as well, or is it a little, if you haven't looked into it that much, uh, it's a little early. So, uh, maybe another episode we can do down the road. Yeah. The draft will definitely be something that, that we want to get a little bit more, um, you know, more coverage on when we get closer. I, I'm admittedly, I'm, I've never been the biggest draft guy, but, uh, I think it's something that we want to cover fairly in depth, um, when we get closer to it. So I don't really have anything on the draft. Uh, at the moment, in terms of the odds, you know, uh, the the Patriots are the fa- you know the the odds favorite coming out of the NFC next year or AFC. No surprise there. Uh, Dallas being the uh, the favorite in the uh, NFC, closely followed by Green Bay. Uh, again, no no surprise there, but not a lot of value. Um, you know, I'll kind of agree with you with with, with Carolina being a pretty good value pick for where they are. If this is something that you uh, that you do and that you're into, um, I I kind of like where where Tampa Bay is as, as well. Uh, you know, just kind of if you want to kind of take a, a flyer on it, just because again uh, of of the division and um, you know I, I think they they're working on building something. Uh, will it start to come to fruition next year? I don't know. Um, the 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 Dolphins, I think, could be could be an interesting one because I thought they were a team that were playing very well down the stretch, was gaining a lot of confidence. Uh, but then, of course, you lose Ryan Tannehill, so that obviously uh, hindered them greatly uh, in the postseason. And, and, and yeah, Tennessee, Dave, um, you know, they, they're a team that is, I think, absolutely going to have a lot of. Uh, should uh, maybe not definitely will, but should have a lot of people looking and talking um, as as we uh, as we'll go 
uh, throughout the offseason into uh, into camp in, in the summer because the, you know they are they are a team that is building something pretty cool and pretty fun down there. Um, obviously, you know they were missing a couple pieces. Uh, they've been smart with management uh, and and putting good pieces in place. I, I have the confidence that they will continue to do that this off season and going into next year. So I, I think sky's the limit for for Tennessee in a terrible division. So tell you what, Dave. Before we go any further, let's take our break here, and uh, when we come back, we'll we'll kind of go through uh, any sure. more items on the NFL, and then we're going to talk a little NHL, and then we're going to get out of here. So uh, let's take a pause for the cause here at NGSCSports.com. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Back Huddle Up Podcast, NGSCSports.com. Visit that page for all, all of the sports news, all of the ra- all of the shows here on the NGSC Sports Radio Network. Search NGSC on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn Radio app. Search Huddle Up with Jim and Dave on iTunes or Android. And if you subscribe, and please do, uh, if you subscribe to us on iTunes, make sure you rate and review us. Go like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Podcast. Also, find our show streaming daily at leibsports.com. That's L-E-E-I-B sports.com. Uh, and also our Twitter page. We're uh, nearing the the 100 total. We didn't quite reach it uh, by the Super Bowl, but that's okay. We're, we're getting closer and closer every day. We want to keep growing that page as well. So jump on over and follow us there at Huddle Up Podcast. Uh, Dave, one one final note, and, and I know um, you know we we don't we don't really like to get political. We don't like to do anything uh, too too heavy. But uh, I, I, th- this story kind of caught my eye, and and I think it's more based on reaction to it. And and, and I just kind of want to bounce it off you and see see your thoughts on it. Um, as of today, there are three Patriots who have said uh, they will not be attending the the White House. Uh, celebration. It is uh, Dante Hightower told uh, ESPN today that he will not be attending. Uh, he also uh, did not go in 2014. He says, been there, done that. He had done it uh, with Alabama. Um, Devin McCourty said that, um, and uh, Martellus Bennett uh, both said they declined basically because of 
uh, who is in the White House. So uh, I know uh, in, in past years with New England, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick did not attend. Uh, it's been something that has been skipped by various players and various sports from various teams uh, over the years. So the, you know, and, and I know some people's argument will be, well, you know, you should put team first. Uh, my pretty simple thought is on it, Dave, and, and then I'll uh, bounce it over to you real quick is to me that the, the team requirement kind of ends at, at the parade, maybe even at the game itself. Um, you know, you're, you're there to do a job. Um, and I, I, as far as I know, these guys are not getting paid, uh, to go to the, uh, to the white house and, and do all of that. Uh, so, uh, to me, it is, it is not a big deal if guys do not attend. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no opinions, feelings, whatever you want to call it all one way or the other. I mean, if you want to, you want to miss a chance to meet the president of the United States. I mean, more power to you. If you want to go and meet him, congratulations, go. Um, but my, my, my personal view on it is, I mean, how many presidents are, how many times are you going to get the chance to meet the president in the white house, um, regardless of who the president is. I mean, if, if Ronald Reagan was the most hated, your most hated president ever, and he invited you to the white house, how cool would it be to sit down and talk to him and literally say, you know, this, this is why I dislike, I'm being a little aggressive here, but this is why I, I dislike you. What, what do you think? And let's have a conversation because you know, it's not just, handshake for for five minutes that they get to talk to him you know it's more than that but uh, I, I just think it would be so cool to go to the white house and meet the president at the white house um regardless of who the president is i think it would be cool i mean uh it, it's an america it's a piece of american history getting to see him and uh, meet him so um my personal opinion there i mean i if, if you don't want to go fine but uh i mean this is this is something you're not going to get the chance to do that often so uh, to me, it's still one of those unique opportunities that because you won the Super Bowl, why wouldn't you take advantage of it? But, uh, hey, that's just my uh, novice point of view. Yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, polit- you know, obviously political views aside, I, I think it is uh, a pretty special thing. And, uh, you know, for uh, anyone who has any interest in, in kind of the, the the history or the, you know, the makeup of, of, uh, of our country – uh, yeah, it is. I mean, it is a kind of a, you know, theoretically a once in a lifetime opportunity. Uh, obviously, if your team wins more multiple championships than it is uh, not, you know, you have more than one chance to go. But um, yeah, I, you know, it, it, it doesn't like offend me if guys choose not to go. But th- there is a, a part of me that that kind of goes, man, yeah, I, I see see your point of view, Dave, where it's you know, you, you you have that opportunity to say, you know, this is why, you know, because I know one of, uh, I think it was Devin McCourty that said, you know, I'm not going because I, I don't, I don't feel like I am welcomed there basically because of who is in office. And, and wouldn't you rather have the opportunity to stand in front of that person, shake their hand and, and, you know, talk to them and say, this is why I don't feel like I belong here. This is why I heavily considered not coming today, but I decided to do it so I could say these things to you. And I know we're we're in such a media and a news and social media driven atmosphere where, um, you know, the 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 president may see that, um, you know, if you don't go, and 
Um, obviously, you know, we, we do have a president that, that seems to be, uh, very much, um, you know, in tune with, uh, in, in tune with, with things that are going on current event wise. So, uh, I'm sure that he is aware of these guys that are, that are not going to be coming, uh, or at least they're saying they're not coming. So I, 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 I love what, the way you put it, Dave, that, that, you know, why wouldn't, why would you rather sit it out than when you had, would be able to sit back and, and have the opportunity to say, this is why, um, you know, I, I disagree with you. This is why I had a hard time with this. And then you have the opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, have, have that discussion and have that open moment and, and, and maybe, you know, have some positive, uh, positive turn from it. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's, it's something that, uh, I'm going to be real quick on this because this is, over our 30 seconds of politics we're allowed on the show. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I think it's, I, I think it's one of these, that these, these people that are saying, Oh, I'm not going because they don't agree with Trump. You're a coward. I mean, go talk to the man. Um, and how much more, if you truly are not going because you don't believe in something, how much more would that get when the cameras are on you and they say, Oh, uh, Martellus Bennett said, you know, Donald, I don't agree with you for doing X, Y, and Z. And that's on the news. You now have light on your issue that you, you didn't, but now you're just going to say, I'm going to go sit in my $3 million house and and do whatever a $3 million houses allow you to do all day. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I totally agree. It's just something that, uh, you know, caught my eye because I think that there is, um, you know, there's obviously a lot of uh, a lot of discussion. There's a lot of things in the news, and it goes beyond uh, just the politic wall and beyond the sports wall, and uh, a lot of things uh, bleed together. So uh, that's that. That's our uh, political political discussion. We went over our uh, allotted time, and uh, so we'll we'll try to avoid Give that on Dave the next 2020. show. <laughs> uh, Dave, uh, one more time, I'll give the phone number out here: four zero one three four seven. 0613 and use pin 29312 to call in to talk to Dave and myself 401 347 0613 use pin 29312 when you get the prompt uh Dave kind of this is pretty much the last thing I have and and I know that uh you know these shows are probably going to get a little bit shorter uh now that we are uh we are out of the football season and uh heartbroken and wondering when football will be coming back to us um, but you know, I, I watched, I watched the caps last night over the, the hurricanes and I watched them, uh, you know, Sunday versus the Kings. And I've been watching this team just start to, to do the things that we're used to seeing the Washington Capitals do and actually maybe probably do them in a, in a, in a little bit better form and a little better fashion. Cause not only are they scoring like crazy, they're not giving up many goals while they're doing it. Um, and, and it's not just Braden Holpe, it's Philip Grubauer as well. Uh, there's a lot of teams that can't get one good goaltender. I'm looking at you flyers. I'm looking at you penguins. Uh, and here we are with just a, a myriad of, of, uh, great goaltending right now. So, uh, and I, and I, I brought this up on, on Twitter today and, and Mitch, uh, chimed in and, uh, we want to say hi to Mitch. Uh, as, uh, you know, we haven't, we haven't heard from him in a little while. So, uh, just a shout out to him. Hopefully he'll be uh, listening in or maybe listening in now. Um, and then the question I kind of put out there is right now, um, who is the best team in the NHL? And to me, 
the answer undoubtedly uh, without disagreement should be the Washington Capitals. Am I saying that the Capitals are going to be the Stanley Cup champions? No. Am I saying the Caps have been the best team all season? Absolutely not. Um, a few weeks ago, I, I would have unfortunately had to have said the Penguins were were playing like the best team in the NHL uh, at the time. But I think right now, Dave, and we'll, we'll look at it a little bit deeper, but is there any argument to the Washington Capitals not um, – is there any any dispute that the Capitals are the best team in the in the NHL right now? Well, well, Jim, I think the first thing I have to say is, is you know, both of us being a Capitals fan, um, that's a darn shame we didn't broadcast a couple weeks ago and talk about hockey. We had to uh, make that admission that the uh, the in your mind the Penguins are the best team in the mm, NHL. What a shame! Time. So, um, what a shame! I know that uh, Mitch would uh, Mitch would have that as a new ring term, ringtone with you saying that over <laughs> and over. So. Um, as far as the Capitals being the the best team in the NHL right now, um, I don't know how you can really say no to that. Um, I mean, they have the, the, the most points. I think they're up five points on Minnesota, who's currently losing to Chicago at the moment. Um, not 100% positive on that number. But I think I saw somewhere, and again, this is on Twitter, so take it for what it's worth. But I think I saw somewhere that through the after their game yesterday, through that number of uh, games, they have the the second most points at that pace of all time. Wow! Um, so this is a this is a Capitals team that is, um, and I think we can focus on them because we both like to talk about them. So uh, it's our show; we can do that. Um, it's it's a Capitals team that um, isn't too dissimilar from the past couple of years on the team, but they've added a couple pieces that really fit. And um, I'm not actually shocked that they went through some early season struggles because with those new pieces. Um, it, it takes some time. And I think the thing that's going to be interesting with this, too, is you have a couple um, real young weapons in uh, Stanford, Brana, down in Hershey that uh, can definitely benefit the team at the the uh, upper level when the playoff run comes. I mean, you have Brana's speed and Stanford's size that can definitely help. Um, but the, the thing that I want to bring up, uh, since we're talking hockey, um, one of our good buddies, uh, Jason, is down, down in North Carolina, a huge Capitals fan. He, uh, he was actually texting me the other day, and he said he, he literally had a question, and I have been thinking about it for three days now, and I still don't know how I feel. Um, so, Jim, I'm going to pose this to you and uh, throw you on the spot with it. But um, given the goaltenders that the Caps have in the system, should they deal Grubauer at the trade deadline and get some top-tier prospects the way he's played this year? Knowing he's likely oh. not re-signing, given that it's a contract year. That's an wow. That's an interesting question. Um, yeah, there's a there's a part of me that that absolutely right off the bat uh, leans yes. And the the real question here is, is it? Do you do you make it if you do trade him? Do you make it a straight prospect play, or do you look at this team and you say? There's one piece missing, uh, maybe on the def- on the defense, or there's you know this piece missing on uh, on the mid mid range forward lines, and there's a guy out on a, on a, on a team that uh, you know uh, you know is is a team that's probably sellers at the at the deadline. Do you do you? I don't want to necessarily say go for broke, but obviously you you have 
Holtby and Grubauer in Washington, and you have you know you have so much goaltender talent through your uh, through your farm systems that you know is this the year that the Caps go? You know what? Let, let's let's go for broke a little bit. Let's um, you know let, let let's make this the year that we finally try to win now. I mean. There was a play. There was a play on Sunday where Ovechkin had a breakaway, and the defenseman caught up to him. And it was the defenseman, you know, about the midway part of his shift. And I thought Ovechkin looked a little slow there. And I'm not saying that he's slowing down. I'm not saying that uh, we're in any danger of of him, uh, you know, not being Ovechkin. But a couple years ago. You know, he, he has a clean break to that net. So I'm, I'm just kind of looking at this objectively off the top of my head when you give me a drop a question on me like that is Ovechkin's not getting younger. Backstrom's not getting younger. There's guys on this team, Justin Williams, who are, who are huge parts of this team, but especially I'm talking about the Ovechkin, the Backstrom, the Carlson, the Alsner, the Holpe, the guys that have come up through this system. And I know Holpe's younger uh, you know, obviously younger than than the the four skaters that I mentioned, but Baxter and Ovechkin, man, these guys have 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 been been with this team and been through so many, you know, close calls in the in the in the playoffs series that I think if they would have won, that they I think they had a great chance to go on and, and win a title, and they haven't been able to do it. At, at some point, you have to think we we have to go go out all out a little bit for these guys, no? Yeah, I'm. I've been thinking about it all week, and I mean, I, I I literally don't know the answer on that on on the question. I mean, the the thing I worry about going out and getting someone is does it mess with the karma and the chemistry that's in the room? I mean, because you go out and get someone, a guy like uh, Connolly uh, that's kind of sitting on the fourth line there and just kind of third fourth line, just kind of role playing. He's now a more than likely watching the game in the press box. I mean, it's one thing to miss it, mix in the, the, the guys I talked about coming from Hershey, but uh, I, I mean, I, I'd be worried about the chemistry mix-up because this team is uh, undoubtedly firing on all cil- cylinders right now. Um, now, my my concern, um, my my full-out concern, why I haven't said, why I haven't been able to convince myself to just completely pull the trigger on Grubauer is, what do you do if Holpe goes down? Um, God forbid, but if Holpe goes down. Um, you have you have now went from a uh, a Stanley Cup contender to you're limping into the playoffs. I mean, the goaltenders that we have in Hershey, they have been uh, so so over the last six weeks or so. Um, guess we have some great prospects in the system. One's over in uh, in Russia currently, not even with the club. Um, so I don't know how my my issue isn't um, dealing Grubauer for the prospects. It's if anything happened to Holtby, God forbid. Um, we'd be sitting there and um, I don't want to say relying on an unproven, but we'd be relying on an unproven to say the least. Um, but man, it would be nice to get some, uh, some really top tier prospects in return. And I mean, we, we could, uh, I don't want to say we could really stack the team, but I mean, we have, we have two guys in the system that played um, one for team USA and one for or junior team USA and one for junior team Canada. So, I mean, it's not like uh, Hershey is hurting, for lack of better terms. But uh, I, I don't know that either of these two are going to be top-tier prospects either. So, 
Um, I'm torn on it. Um, honestly, what I would like to see is I'd like to see him sign Grubauer to a one-year deal uh, and extend him a year. But I, I think he, based on how he's playing this year, um, I think he's going to be out of our price range for a backup, for lack of better terms. Um, but I think, uh, I, I mean, I wish him the best, obviously. But uh, I, I think he's going to say, well, I've had this great of a year. I, I deserve my, my number one NHL shot. And I think someone will give that to him. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the risk of, of messing with chemistry is, is something that, that obviously comes into play as well. There's so many factors, and, and uh, you know, I think the Stanley Cup is, is one of the, if not the hardest uh, trophy to win in, in sports because of uh, the length of season, the length of playoffs, how grueling the sport is. It, it's something that, you know, that the, there's obviously no – uh, no easy way to do it. There, there's a science. There's uh, there's magic. There's uh, you know there's so many factors that go into it. So you know and I'm I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this picture um, that uh, that that I have of of Grubauer over my uh, over my desk here in the studio, and it's like man, you know we 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 have watched this guy uh, come through uh, Hershey and and. Uh, you know, you hate to see those guys go sometimes, but you you don't you you also don't want to see them just sit in a backup role if if they are, you know, kind of destined for more. And I think I think Philip Grubauer is destined for more. I think he has, um, you know, I think he he's as talented as a lot of goalies in this league, and he's proving it this year. So yeah, the, 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 the worry is if Holpe goes down. So I think if you, if you move Grubauer at the deadline, you almost have to make another move to, to bring in some sort of capable, uh, capable backup. But yeah, there, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fear, uh, in me, Dave, um, that, with, with this team and it sounds funny because yeah they, they're f- going into tonight's games uh they're five points ahead of minnesota uh for for the the best record or the be- most points in the league they're seven ahead of columbus uh for the most points in the eastern conference uh what is what is amazing in, in all of this too is they're third in the league in goals they have 180 goals the only team's Higher than them are the Rangers with 181 and the uh, Penguins with 186. That's going into play tonight. Uh, and then goals against, they are at 114. That is the best, uh, or the, obviously the lowest. The, that is the number one uh, lowest goals against in the league. Minnesota closest to them at 121. Uh, the Caps have a goal differential of plus 66, which puts them number one in the league. The next closest is the uh, Minnesota Wild at plus 55. Third is Columbus at plus 44. So, and uh, and I know you'll love me for saying this, that um, we know how Bruce Boudreaux coached teams uh, fair in the postseason, uh, especially when they're uh, a lot of goal flash. And, uh, I mean, they're, they're doing some pretty good stuff, though, uh, in terms of goals against as well. But I'm looking at this Caps team, and I'm like, they're scoring like crazy. But they're, you know, the, the, both goaltenders have been playing so well, so well that they're 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 hardly giving up goals. I mean, 
uh, it, it's 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 crazy that through fifty four games they've only given up hundred and fourteen goals. So I, I almost don't want them to change anything and just hope that they don't peak too early. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I just I get a different feeling with this Capitals team than I've gotten on uh, past ones, but the. The thing that I will add, um, we obviously haven't watching the guys come up through Hershey. Um, I actually, I made this statement uh, a couple times, a couple when uh, Grubauer was down with us. So I thought uh, Grubauer was going to have a better pro, pro career than Holpe. Um, so take that for what that's worth. But I think uh, I think Grubauer is a little bit smaller than Holpe, but he has everything that Holpe has, except he has the calmness and net that Holpe didn't have in Hershey. Um, but it's also something that Hopi has uh, developed or grown on since he's been in the uh, matured a little bit in the NHL. So it'll just be interesting to see what will happen. Um, Jim, one, one other NHL thing I wanted to throw out there. Um, how about the St. Louis Blues the last two nights? Uh, they, they had the uh, they shut out uh, two nights ago, I believe it was against the uh, – I don't know who it is offhand. I forgot who it was. But uh, whoever they were playing two nights ago, I want to say the Rangers for some reason – but uh, whoever they were playing two nights ago, they shut him out um, with the rookie goal and kind of hurting it. And then uh, last night, Jake Allen came in and uh, shut out the back-to-back shutouts with two different goaltenders, all since they filed, fired uh, Hitchcock. So um, kind of something that we, we both said it was kind of obvious that it was going to happen based on their offseason moves with the new coach. But uh, just kind of an interesting reaction on how they got, um, on, how, on, on the reaction and the, the – uh, the, the results that the team has produced. Um, this is a St. Louis Blues team that is, if uh, if they get in, they could be very dangerous, to say the least. So um, it's going to be super interesting to watch the second half of this. Uh, not even second half, but the uh, what the back third of the uh, the NHL season right now. But uh, I mean, looking at the standings right now, St. Louis is in the seventh spot, so uh, they're they're definitely in range there. And uh, I mean. Call it as bad as it is, but if uh, our, if the, the Flyers happen to get in and play the Capitals round one, that's a matchup that scares the heck out of me. Um, there's probably no one else for the, the Capitals that I would least like to see other than the Flyers. I mean, you have Newby in goal, which um, you get him in goal against the Flyers or against the Caps, and it's like lights out for him because he was a he came up through the Washington system and they pretty much picked, uh, picked uh, Varlamov and them over him. So um, it'll just be interesting to see how it transpires there. So uh, did I hear it that uh, someone called in there, Jim? Yeah, we'll get to them in just a second. I just want to uh, give uh, my quick thoughts on this Blues team. Is, is there a team with uh, a lot of talent, obviously? Um, the the whole That whole situation with Ken Hitchcock going into the year, announcing that it was going to be his last year, and they had already announced his successor, I, I feel like – those are just uh, in the rare times that they happen are just the really, really strange situations. Uh, kind of has that lame duck coach feel to it, where a guy gets the uh, you know one year extension um, or the the one year option for a head coach. Um, to me, that just feels like you either have so much pressure to succeed, or it just really doesn't matter because we're already prepping for beyond. So that that whole thing was weird, and now yeah, they they look like a completely different team, uh, coming off the firing of uh, of, of Ken Hitchcock. So uh, I'm right there with you. They're a team that if they get in could be dangerous. Obviously, they've kind of been in the similar boat to what the Capitals have been in, where they've been great in the regular season, 
Uh, they get to the postseason and uh, they, they hit one or two hiccups and they qu- can't quite recover. So, you know, can can they can they do some damage uh, if they get in? I absolutely think they could. Obviously, um, you know, there there's a lot of time left, and um, you know, the the Central Division is is almost starting to get out of reach uh, for them, but uh, they certainly have. Uh, Nashville in their target, and the, they, they, they can still catch Chicago. So uh, with about 20 games left, um, no, not 20, about 30 games left, excuse me, uh, there's there's plenty of time for, for things to move, and I think the Blues are certainly a uh, a team to watch. Yeah, we do have a call here, 610. And Minnesota, Air- just, uh, Minnesota just tied it up with Chicago with uh, three minutes left in the third period, so that game's tied at three for the uh, live update there. All right, very good. Uh, 610 area code, uh, let us know who you are, where you're calling from. James, David, it is your old pal, Anthony, uh, out of the 610 area code, but way out west. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you doing? Doing well. Um, I know we're talking about ice. You guys have some snow coming your neck of the woods. Uh, but I did kind of want to turn the page quickly and talk a little bit more of a warmer weather sport in baseball and not get – predictions is that it's February. Spring training hasn't started yet. Pitchers, catchers report next week, so we have time for that. But there's a lot of talk going on now with the proposed rule changes in the MLB. Um, One, they're talking about uh, shrinking the strike zone a little bit. And a new one I just saw, there's the idea being thrown around of starting extra innings with a runner on second. Um, To me, just looking at the headline itself, reading a comment from Joe Torre, so we don't want to use pitchers, this, that, and the other. 18 innings is a long game. What do you guys think about the I Personally, I hate the rule changes. I say let baseball play. To, the, to those that say the game's too long, please. You watch an NFL game week in and week out for 17 straight weeks, then plus the playoffs. <laughs> we know those games are going over three hours. There's 60 minutes on the clock, and you're playing 11 minutes of football total that the ball's actually in motion. So for those that say baseball's too long, I say you know, zip it, really look at the facts of the other sports. But these rule changes, in my opinion, are straight up outlandish. Putting a runner on second, I don't see how it's based. I mean, baseball is a unique sport. What makes it great is that there's no clock. It's 27 outs per team, nine innings. You let it go, and you let the best team win on that given day. Um, So I'm really curious to see what you guys are thinking in regard to these rule changes that they think would liven up baseball a little bit. In terms of, I mean, in terms of – uh, go ahead, Dave. That's right, Jim. Uh, great question. Uh, first thing that comes to mind on this is, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm initial thoughts. I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you that these seem absolutely ridiculous. Um, but then I think about what has gone since we're talking hockey, kind of relating it. I kind of think what has gone on in hockey in the past couple of years. I know we're not comparing apples to apples here. Um, but I mean, you, you did the you did the uh, the shootout instead of the the overtime. You had a complete change in the in the points in the scoring system, and then you also had the three on three overtime being added now. Um, so kind of a huge change for the sport, and um, I think it's made hockey overtime more watchable. I'm not going to go into how I feel about the shootout because that's well uh, well documented that I hate it ending in a skills competition. But the the thing that gets me is why are we shrinking the strike zone even more? I mean, the the runner on second base is a whole other argument that I just don't understand at all. Um, it would bode well for, for pitchers, but, uh, I mean, you, you talk about changing the game completely. That's a major change. Um, but how do you 
how do you make this strike zone even smaller? I mean, the strike zone is incredibly small as is. And if you want to, you want to hear people complain about the game, make the strike zone smaller and it's going to make the game even longer. I mean, you want to speed up the game, make the, make the strike zone slightly bigger. I mean, just increase it three inches on a side and, or up and down is, is what I'm saying. But, uh, I don't, I don't understand the, the logic behind it. Uh, but what do I know? So, uh, Jimmy, what are your comments? Yeah, I mean, the the, the yeah, this shrinking of the strike zone to me, uh, it, it seems to be counterproductive. If baseball is trying to make, uh, you know, trying to make the the, the game more viewer friendly or or what have you, because you know, I, I think of the uh, you know the the home run summers with McGuire and Sosa. If you're trying to gain viewers, I would think you would want. More hitting, so I I I, I don't know. I, I think shrinking the strike zone would seem odd. Um, in terms of the 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 runner on second in in extra innings, that sounds like a something that you do in like beer league softball when the the sun's starting to go down and you're trying to finish that game when it's still caught in a tie. Uh, the the notion of doing it in major league baseball it just seems. Ridiculous. And I, I've I've always uh, I've always agreed with you, Anthony. Even even back when uh, you know I would tweet into your show, or or you know you'd co-host uh, the the old program I used to do. Is I always kind of agreed with you in this that that baseball is whether uh, you know people want to complain about the length of the game or not. Baseball is baseball, and, and if you begin to really tweak the uh, the structure of the game and what makes baseball baseball, then you, what the, the thing is you're not going to gain a lot of viewers uh, for doing that. What you are going to do is you're going to lose a lot of baseball fans. And and to, to kind of tag into what, what Dave brought up to in, in, in terms of hockey and not so much recently, but I, I think back to uh, the NHL on Fox back in the 90s when they – introduced the glow puck because they thought that the reason people weren't watching hockey was because the the people couldn't find the puck on the screen and, and that thing was just a mess and it, and it made it almost unwatchable for hockey fans and it really didn't help grow the sport uh like the uh like the NHL thought it would so yeah don't you can't mess with baseball you can't you, you can't do these little gimmicks and uh, and things like that to try and make the game better. Baseball is baseball. If you don't like watching baseball, you're not watching. If you like watching baseball, uh, you're going to be watching. You know, I don't know about you guys, but when I see a game, if and especially when baseball is going on, you have baseball, basketball, hockey, but say we're in July, all the playoffs of the NBA and the NHL are over. It's a slow night. I have a game in the 11th, 12th inning. There's nothing on, and I have the chance to watch it, whether it's MLB Network or if I can tune in on MLB.tv. I'm going to watch. I like the longevity of the game because then it's a tense moment. I don't need a runner on second uh, you know, added to this element. I don't mind watching a relief pitcher shut down uh, in offense. I don't mind in offense struggling or a battle back and forth in that case, what do you get? I don't. I really don't see what it gets. Because I think most people. I mean, I maybe I'm delusional here, but I think people like extra innings in baseball. There's something to be said about it. It adds a fun element to it. And if you have the chance that I was at an 18, 19 inning game, well, that's awesome. I mean, that, that's one of those historical. And the amount of times it happens is not that often. 
And they used that. It was a Sports Illustrated article where there was a quote from Joe Torrey. And he's like, an 18-inning game can take a while, too. And But who really likes to see a relief or a fielder come in in relief? Well, hell, I know people that were out of Philly's Reds game when Wilson Valdez came in and shut down the Reds. They loved it. I mean, for you to see that, it, that's a unique part that you don't get in another sport. Uh, you don't see in an NHL shootout a goalie coming in and uh, attempting to um, win a shootout. You don't see a lineman come in and try to kick a game-winning field goal in overtime in the, in the, in the NFL. It's something that baseball can offer that other sports can't, and I think that's what's unique and what, in my opinion, draws my interest. I don't know about you guys, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not... I don't sit and watch uh, every single uh, Orioles game on TV. I don't sit and watch every single baseball game on TV. And the games I do watch, I don't sit and watch the entire game. Um, the times I am most apt to watch it are... Uh, when you have a have a close game situation late in the game, so if that game happens to go into extra innings, and even if it's not a game that uh, the Orioles are involved in, you know if I'm flipping through and MLB Network or ESPN or what have you has a uh, has a game in uh, in the eleventh inning, I'm probably gonna watch it till the end because yeah, that's uh, you know that's that's a pretty exciting part of the game. If it's two two in the second, I'm probably I may not stop. It depends what I'm doing, but uh, yeah, I, I'm more apt to see it and watch it if uh, if it's if it's a close game and if it's an extra inning. So I don't I don't want that to uh, be you know ended quicker by some uh, funky gimmick, Dave. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in complete agreement with that. I mean, putting a guy on second base just seems funky like using gym terminology it just seems weird like oh uh, like it's we're, we're trying to end the game and we're trying to make this cheap for lack of better terms i mean are you going to implement this in a playoffs too like i mean i feel like it's just bizarre i mean it's not how baseball is um i i get i get to some extent that you're trying to save your pitching staff because you do this uh you know you have an 18 inning type job and it really uh really messes with and is really funky for your pitching staff for a, a long, long time. And uh, I, I get that. That's something that definitely should be considered and um, must be considered. But uh, it's also something that there, there, there's got to be, how do you, how are you able to do this and how can you do this? That uh, it, uh, it makes sense and it's playable. Cause I mean, I, I, I just, I'm just picturing the, the, the oh well, you have to put David Ortiz on second base to serve because he made the last out. And was well, that really having a guy on second base? In all in all honesty, I mean, uh, using a random player obviously that's retiring, so um, not an issue. But just kind of the logistics behind this could just be absolutely amazing. And I, I don't know the 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 solution to it, but uh, something else I thought was kind of interesting, and I don't know if they have nixed this or not, but I saw some talk about the MLB um, the MLB adding. Uh, that if you're going to walk someone, you can just go. You can just send them to the intentionally walk. You can just send them straight to first base. So this kind of seems um, count, uh, along the lines of them trying to speed the game up. But uh, I, I agree with what Jim had said earlier that if you're if you're looking to get more viewers, you need this home run aspect to come back because that seems to be what really um, captivates the viewers. Where um, being down at the Orioles games and everything, I'm I'm perfectly content watching a 
a one nothing a two one pitcher's duel. I mean, I love that kind of old old time ball, but uh, I'm also the one that likes uh, likes the unders in football and stuff along those lines. So I know I'm in the minority. I want a, a lot of things with my sports views, but uh, definitely uh, definitely would be interesting to see how this pans out. And uh, I'd be interested to see it uh, if they test it on like the Atlantic League or uh, something along those lines, Double A, and just see how it pans out and uh, how long the games really go. So it would just be an interesting. Uh, interesting additive to the games. And what I think is interesting here is that we all have, I mean, I'm forced to watch a lot of baseball, one by choice. I mean, one, one's by choice, two by nature, um, what I currently do. But, and, and I don't mind it. And then, Dave, you watch a good amount of baseball. Jim, maybe the least. But we all have different perspectives here on how much we watch. And obviously we're dealing with a small sample size, but we're all in agreement here. I don't think that this isn't going to bring a fan who I don't, I'm not watching baseball because I just really don't like it. And that's not going to draw that fan in to watching more games. So I'm curious to see if the MLB is going to listen to the response. And I would assume that the general response will be much like ours in disagreement with this proposed rule that, that could be changed. And I mean, does the MLB go behind the current fans back and say, yeah, we're going to do what we want. Um, in regards to the intentional walk, Dave, I'll kind of compare it to in amateur wrestling. I wrestled through elementary school, middle school, high school. Um, there is a situation where the wrestler takes the down position. You can, what is do called an optional start to cut them, give them a point to go back to neutral and work for a takedown. They eliminated that maybe 10 years ago at this point where you can just start them, start them on the feet and just get rid of, going through that whole thing, I kind of see the intentional walk eliminating the four pitches like that, just automatically put them on. I don't see a huge issue with that. Um, I mean, it, it does it does cut not a lot of time, what, a minute out of the game, how many times you see it. So I'm not terribly opposed to that. I, I'm, I guess maybe indifferent. Um, I don't think it causes malice in any way. don't think it benefits the game immensely. But again, the two, the first two that we mentioned. I mean, if the MLB follows through with this, I see a huge, huge issue, and just don't really see what they gain out of it long term. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think the one thing that was interesting to me, and they did do the intentional walk thing down here in the Atlantic League. Uh, I think it was last year or two years ago. And uh, to me, it's not what you gain out of it, but. Uh, I, and I have this strange sense of humor too, but I, I thoroughly enjoy the one or the two times a year when they're, they're trying to intentionally walk a batter and one of two things happens, that the, the wild pitch happens or somehow they throw a mistake over the plate and the batter wallops it. I mean, I just... Uh, right, we I, I saw really... Gary Sanchez do that this year with the Yankees. Someone yeah. left one. We saw Miguel Cabrera do it in years past. I, I agree with that point. And the wild pitch is an interesting uh, I mean, point as well. We've seen many pitchers air mill one before, too. Yes, I mean, it's just a it, – I don't have an issue with it, but you're losing that aspect of the game then, too. And um, it, it, does it – how much – you're trying to save your pitching staff, and how much does that uh, – I know it's only a wild pitch, but you still got to go through the motion and all the other stuff, too. Does that add stress throughout the year? So um, just kind of something else that MLB's got to look at. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and it's just, and I and I, I go back to it, Anthony. I go back to uh, what what you said in in your initial point is baseball is baseball, and uh, you know I I think that 
for for people that aren't fans, I I don't know. I don't know that there's a lot that's going to make them fans, and, and maybe maybe I'm wrong in that in that thought in that um, opinion. But I I just I just don't think it, that for the most part, uh, obviously, especially in adults, if you're not a baseball fan, there's probably not a lot of of, of changes that aren't. I mean, even more drastic than than things that are being discussed that would would make someone a baseball fan. Uh, and and if you are a baseball fan, you you don't want to see your sport get messed with. Uh, and and I don't think I don't I really don't think it should be. Uh, you know, at, at the minor league level, at these uh, you know kind of Atlantic League level sort of things. Um, if you if you want to do some gimmicky stuff, sure that that's fine. Uh, because that that's a little bit different of an environment uh, of baseball than major than major league baseball. But I don't I don't think major league baseball should really get touched or or changed or uh, or or moved around really that much at all. You know, oddly, I mean, and I don't think this is a tough one, but we all do agree, and I think there's something to be said about having an absolute consensus opinion here. And I have a feeling this will be discussed on national sports talk airwaves. Re, I mean, big market, uh, New York, Los Angeles, wherever, whatever sports are you tune into. I talked baseball, Chicago, Boston. Have a feeling that again, I said this before a couple minutes ago. Opinions are going to be the same. Now the major question is, does the MLB listen to it? Um, and if they do listen to it, do they have a statement and? kind of retract and say, all right, you know what, maybe this was not the best idea, or they did, did they just let it go away and go silent on the entire issue and never bring it up again unless it's brought to their attention by the media? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I hope that uh, that common sense, or what to me I view as common sense, uh, would reign supreme here. Well, gentlemen, I'm in uh, complete agreement with all that. Gentlemen, that's my two cents for the night. Um, back to the hockey talk, and I don't have much to say right now as the Flyers are going through a little bit of a uh, rough patch. But there is also uh, a little late late run that can be made, and we'll see the Capitals bow out in the first or second round per the <laughs> usual. It does sound like February hockey talk right now. Oh. Barry Miller called them the best team in hockey right now uh, last night. Yeah, sounds about right. It is what February it was February seventh, sixth or seventh, whatever day it is. Uh, yeah, so everything's every everything's uh, on par right now, and unfortunately, we'll be watching the Pittsburgh Penguins make a deeper run than the Capitals, and hope we get lucky with the Philadelphia Flyers this year. But gentlemen, thank you as always. All right, Anthony, take care, bud. I think Anthony's just trying to find positive favor with Mitch on that one uh maybe uh <laughs> with, with with uh you know kind of kissing up to the penguin side it seems weird for a Flyers fan to kind of kiss up uh to the to the penguin side but uh you know what Jim there's a there, there's a great quote for that and that's misery loves company so there you go that's uh, perfect they're, they're both going to be watching <laughs> us in the Stanley Cup final so we'll get the last laugh on that one um, and what's going to be even better is for our good buddy Mitch, uh, Tom Wilson could score the uh, the series-ending goal. I would. Uh, we might have to actually drive out and pay Mitch a visit. Oh my God! If if Tom Wilson, if Tom Wilson scores the 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 cup-winning goal or even the goal that would 
uh, eliminate the Penguins if we play them, I I would lose my damn mind because that would uh, that that would make me happy beyond happy, and it would just destroy the hearts of every of every Wilson hater uh, everywhere. It would just be a magical magical moment in sports history. Uh, Dave, honestly, man, that that's about all I got. And, and thank you to Anthony for the call in. It uh, it uh, gave a little extra extra flavor to the show. Uh, is there anything else you want to cover tonight, Jim? I think we're pretty much uh, good on my end. I mean, we were planning on uh, having this forty five minutes or sixty minutes, and we're uh, up to ninety. So uh, no complaints on that. Um, again, uh, we we got the snow potentially coming in here. I don't think anything's happening at this point, but. Uh, you know, me and my astute planning, I got to run out and uh, get gas for the snowblower just in case. Uh, <laughs> if I don't have gas, I know we'll get a foot. So um, I just got to make sure that we uh, we're covered on that, and I do everything I can. Gas it up, um, fire it up, the get the shovels. Uh, you know, put some Crisco on the on the shovels so the snow doesn't stick. Do everything you need to do to uh, to try and uh, reverse some of the some of the uh, the weather juju here. You know what? Uh, I, I forgot how much you love snow, so I think I'm just going to risk it with the oh, gas at this point. Um, um, so one thing, uh, one thing we'll add. Uh, I'll let you uh, send it out. Uh, but my last couple comments. Um, uh, again, it's been a great ride through the football season, and we uh, we thank all our loyal uh, listeners and supporters. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll definitely cover March Madness and uh, some of the other big events. Um, with that being said, I think we are uh, planning on taking next week off. And then uh, we will be back with you the week after that. Uh, I will actually be in Florida sending Jim pictures golfing while he's working. So uh, I can't wait for that. Uh, anyone that uh, knows how much Big Jim uh, likes to hack around the golf course knows how much he'll love that. Um, so, again, thanks to all our loyal listeners. Uh, we, we, we really appreciate your support in uh, helping get this, uh, this uh, podcast up and rolling and uh, – we had a heck of a great uh, first year, and we're just going to build on it, keep the momentum going. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Dave. So uh, enjoy your vacation, and I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Uh, you'll talk to me before then, big guy. No worries on that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, again, uh, don't forget to uh, throw out the page there. And uh, if anyone has any ideas for shows or any topics or anything along those lines, we'd uh, we'd love to hear from you folks. Uh, uh, so, again, thank you for everyone for listening. And, uh Time to talk about some uh, hockey and MLB in the coming weeks before we hit the uh, the March Madness, the Masters, and uh, horse racing in the spring. So uh, definitely hit some uh, pretty key topics here. Yep, damn right, buddy. Enjoy your vacation. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Thanks again. So that's going to do it for the show tonight. Again, no show next week, folks. We're going to take the week off as Dave's going to be away, and uh, we're just going to kind of uh, sit back and enjoy a little time off after the football season but uh, stay tuned to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash huddle up podcast. Twitter is at huddle up podcast. Stay tuned to those uh, as we will give, uh, give announcements uh, for, for the broadcast moving forward. Well, I promise we're uh, going to get, uh, keep working on the live video feed uh, for the Facebook live during the podcast. So you get to look at uh, my giant head during the uh, during the podcast so uh, we want to thank everyone again for listening for tuning in each and every week for subscribing on itunes or android if you subscribe on itunes please rate and review the show check out us and all the other shows in the ngsc sports radio network by going to ngscsports.com or Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn radio app search ngsc also we stream daily at leapsports.com 
Uh, that is L-E-E-I-B-Sports.com. Again, Twitter is at HuddleUpPodcast, Facebook.com slash HuddleUpPodcast. And you can follow me at Big Jim Sports. Follow Dave at D Gerhart 24 That is at D-G-E-R-H-A-R-T-024. Thank you all for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you in a few weeks. Until then, go for the win. Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you.